You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Good evening. I want to welcome all of you who are tuning in here in Los Angeles and Metro LA, as well as outside of LA uh, for our midweek service. Uh, My name is Dr. Doug Weber. Uh, It's my pleasure to be with you this evening. And what I was hoping to do with you this evening is just uh, share with you a few thoughts regarding uh, healing and rebuilding, sort of a continuation of a few thoughts that I shared a few weeks ago. And uh, I'm really excited about what God will do tonight as we get into God's word. And I'd just like to start with a word of prayer as we get going. Father, thank you so much for your love and your grace. Thank you for your mercy, your kindness. I pray, God, that you're with us tonight as we as we share your word, as we listen to your heart, as we understand uh, your will for our lives. And God, I pray that you're with us tonight in a powerful and special way. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. A few weeks ago, for those of you who tuned in, you might remember I shared a few thoughts, uh, not only on the reopening of the church in the wake of the COVID-19 epidemic, but also on healing and rebuilding in the wake of the cruel and evil killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis. And we shared a few thoughts that I wanted to remind you of as we start tonight. Uh, We talked for a bit about who we are, just remembering that we're disciples of Jesus, that we are God's people, the people belonging to him, a people that have been called out of darkness into his His wonderful light, and that our unity is our testimony. And it's important for us to remember that, uh, that our unity is our testimony. Jesus prayed for our complete unity as believers so that the world would know that that the Father sent him. And that is really, really key. Our unity is our testimony. But we also talked about the need for understanding and bearing with one another as we navigate the awkward and uncomfortable conversations regarding race amongst ourselves and others. It's important that uh, we listen, uh, that we seek to really understand, that we empathize and comfort one another, but we're mindful of bearing with one another, not judging one another as we talk. And it's important that we really remember some of the things since that time that we have heard. Uh, We heard from uh, Robert Carrillo, as he shared about uh, Jesus, the great physician, and he shared from Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, where Jesus called us to come to him, those of us who are weary and burdened, and he'll give us rest. And, you know, surely so many of the goings on over the last several weeks have wearied us, have tired us. I know personally that's how I have felt, just wearied and tired and brought back to a very bad place and bad memories in our lives. And that's what can happen uh, for many of us during these times of unrest and strife and racial tension and violence. And uh, and so it's important for us to see Jesus and understand how much he wants to give us rest during these times. You heard from Professor Jamelia Missioner uh, last Wednesday as she talked about some of the do's and don'ts of communication, as well as some of the practicals about how we can contribute uh, to change in public policy. And then this past Sunday in, in Metro L.A., we heard from Dr. Ben Barnett, who eloquently uh, talked about uh, the war that we're in or the wars we're in, one physical, one spiritual. And he really helped us to understand some of the weapons that we can fight with in, in the wake of all of this uh, racial tension and violence uh, and unrest uh, in our country. And he talked about the weapons of prayer, the weapons of fasting, uh, the weapons of the word of God and the weapons of truth. And then we've we've talked to one another. There have been 
discussion groups that we've had. There have been conversations that have been going on where we've talked about uh, how these events have affected us personally and tried to seek to understand and and increase our knowledge base uh, of just the history of what we're dealing with right now. But tonight, uh, I wanted to share with you and just talk about the start uh, of the process of learning to be the agent of change. I know a lot of us are thinking, well, what can what can I do? What dif- what kind of difference can I make? And also the need for us to learn to love one another more and more. You know, we cannot stop believing and hoping for change. Um, you know, it's interesting. Yesterday I was in the hospital and the team sort of celebrated the fact that uh, almost the imp- what would seem like the impossible was about to happen in front of our eyes. One of the patients who'd come in with uh, coronavirus, COVID-19 infection, who's an elderly gentleman, uh, was was in a situation where we'd really believe that uh, his his prognosis would be very really very poor, uh, and did didn't do well for a long time. And and for a while, as he was in the ICU, it looked like he was not going to make it. And but things sort of stabilized. But he got to a point where it seemed like it, you know it, things were just not turning around. His family though did not give up hope. Uh, we as a team, we didn't give up hope, but it didn't look very hopeful. But now after 70 plus days, he's turned around and is about to exit the the ICU. I know I've seen on television some of those pictures in hospitals of, of patients and teams dancing. And, and that was kind of the experience. It was sort of like we were witnessing and uh, the, the impossible happening. And I wouldn't believe it unless I had been part of it for 70 plus days, every single day seeing his progress, but seeing the turnaround. And I believe in so many ways, that's where we are as a country when it comes to racism is we're hoping for the impossible to happen in so many respects, for things to change, for there to be healing. Um, you know, the important thing for us as disciples to remember that God started the impossible in our own lives. You know, in Galatians uh, chapter 3, verse 26 through 28, the Bible says, So in Christ Jesus, you are, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You know, God created the human race. He didn't create white, black, Latino, Pacific Islander, Asian. He created the human race. We're all descended from the same parents. And yet over time, with geographical drift and distance and language developing and so forth, uh, we, we developed into what the world calls races. But the truth is we're all part of one family. But in Jesus, God's plan was to bring us all back together in one family. And so God did the impossible in our own lives. We realized that when we were reached out to and we heard about Jesus, when someone took the time to care about us and study the word of of God with us, it opened our hearts, opened our minds. We we repented before God. We realized what we had done to Jesus. And we decided to be baptized and come into his one family where there's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female. And though we were unworthy, Jesus made us worthy. And so we became 
one family. God did the impossible not only to redeem us, but literally to bring all these various groups into one. And God did the same in my life uh, initially. You know, I was uh, met in Boston, uh, Massachusetts, uh, over 36 years ago. And though I had gone to and been a part of, you know, interracial, multiracial organizations such as my school and so forth, the community that I came from was a black community. My family was black. My church was black. That's what I knew on an intimate level. And so though I had friends of other races, the, the, the real community where I live was a black community. And yet when I went to Boston, I was seeking the Lord. I was seeking God and God brought me into his one family. And the person that, uh, one of the persons that he chose to help me initially was this man who you see in this picture. His name is Doug Lightning. And I'll never forget as we were sitting down and studying the word of God and he was helping me and he was pouring his heart out to me. He was so kind and gracious to me. He said, Doug, and his name is Doug and I'm Doug. He said, Doug, I need to just make you aware of who I am. And I need to let you know a little bit about my background because before God transformed my life, before Jesus changed my heart, I would not have sat in a room with you. See, he was from South Africa. And his goal was to be able to go back to South Africa and lead a team of disciples to evangelize that country and Johannesburg, uh, that city. But he reminded me of where he'd come back from. And at that time, apartheid has not had not fallen. And he was an Afrikaans. He was someone who was very rigid in racism. And he said to me very clearly, but, you know, because God changed my heart, I can sit here and I can love you and I can share with you. And he talked about how not only did he change his heart, but he changed his actions. He would take Bibles to villages throughout Africa with many black children and and black families. And he would just want to share Jesus and share his love. And he knew that he was a changed and a different person. And as I was sitting there and I was realizing this is amazing and this is the hope uh, of the world. And it helped me to understand it. Here's the Bible coming alive right in front of my eyes. But we realize that when we come into God's family of just diverse cultures and races, that we have common rights and privileges. We have a common Lord, a common baptism, a common word of God. He calls everyone, whether white, black, Latino, etc., to one standard. There's no different levels of forgiveness. There's not an economy class, business class, or first class of forgiveness. It's it's one. It's equal. And that's the way God intended it for be. That's how he intended the world to live. That's how he tends for us as disciples to live, to be unified in Christ. But the reality is something happened in the world. You know, in Ecclesiastes chapter four, verses one through three, in Proverbs 31, eight through nine, really highlights a problem that led to the need for us to learn to be an agent for change. And, and God has wanted that for thousands of years. In Ecclesiastes chapter four, the writer 
Solomon says, again, I looked and saw, saw all the oppression that was play, taking place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed and they have no comforter. Power was on the side of their oppressors and they have no comforter. And I declared that the dead who had already died are happier than the living who are still alive. But better than both is the one who has never been born, who has not seen the evil that is done under the sun. Ecclesiastes chapter four, verses one through three. This was written in about a thousand BC. For, for, so for thousands of years, we know there has been oppression. And the Bible says that he saw the tears of the oppressed. And the tragic thing is they had no comforter. That's the thing about oppression. Oppression can go on for years and centuries. And it can cause there to be tremendous pain and hurt. So much so that the writer here says that he believed the dead were happier than the living who are still alive with respect to those and who are enduring those things. And that's how oppression is. You know, there's a great awakening right now, and I believe that we're at a moment of a movement. It's a movement moment in America because I believe so many are fed up in realizing that 400 years of oppression when it, with respect to race relations and specifically blacks, African-Americans, who unfortunately suffered under this type of uh, inhumanity. And we realize that racism has been destroying humanity and devouring black people for for that, men, that length of time. And today, many people are standing up and they're saying, I'm fed up, enough is enough, whether they be white, black, Latino, Asian American. And they're hearing the cries and the suffering of many black people. And it's time for us to really understand that and understand the power of that. And he says in Proverbs 31, and Solomon, again, uh, the, the Bible really speaking to this, to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. And the real question is, will God's church stand up right now, speak out and defend the rights of the oppressed? And will the church defend the rights and stand up and speak up? for the rights of your black brothers and sisters. And that's what many are feeling right now uh, in our ministry, in our region and in our church, but in the world as well. So I believe time, and now is a time for change. It is a movement moment. Uh, and so there's so much good that can be done and needs to be done, but there's so much learning to be done to be an agent of change. The other thing is just re really learning the need to love one another more and more. You know, as we understand how racism has infected, I won't say affected, I'll say infected. I believe it's a disease in so many ways. Not only our criminal justice system as we really look back on what happened to George Floyd, but our housing, our education systems, our healthcare systems. You say, well, what are we talking about? And so for many of us, it is a time of education to learn and be an agent of change. But yes, it's affected so many areas of society. And uh, black people understand this. And maybe if you're not black, you, you don't understand that as well. I mean, just subtle things and overt things. Uh, my wife, 
just shared with me reminded me about something that I had forgotten a while back. We talk about redlining in housing and what is redlining? Well, when her family decided to move from uh, New York City to Massachusetts, uh, they moved. Uh, my her father had had gotten a job at uh, General Electric there in Lynn, Massachusetts, uh, which was primarily a white working class community. And they moved into the area hoping, hey, we can live uh, really close, uh, not only to work there, but to some friends who also live there. But every single time they would answer an ad for an apartment that was available, they would go and they would present themselves. And they'd, every time they would hear, sorry, it's rented. Sorry, it's it's rented. Uh, sorry, it, it's rented. And as an African-American uh, family, that's what they, they found. And, and one day they just decided her mother was is very was very fair skinned. She's passed now. And they decided, OK, well, you know what? We're, n- we're not getting anywhere. Uh, why don't you just go and see if you can find the apartment? And finally, by her mother going and where she's very, very fair skinned, she was able to to secure an apartment for them to be able to live in. But for for decades in this in this country, that was a very common occurrence for many black people. And it, it affects the the healthcare system. Uh, I, I'm a healthcare practitioner. I, I see how racism affects the inequities uh, within the healthcare system. And and even now, um, uh, there's an uh, inequitable distribution of individuals who are being affected by the COVID-19 Epidemic, and there's so many variables that play into that, and uh, who are African American, and so the need for us today is to really learn how to to love one another more and more, because there is so much uh, of a need for us to learn to grow in in our knowledge and our understanding of one another, and to listen to one another, and and even comfort one another. And so I want to share a couple of scriptures that. Uh, many of us are familiar with in John 13, 34 and 35 and first Corinthians chapter 12, uh, 24 and 25, where he says a new command I give you love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another by this. All men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another and first Corinthians 12. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body, but its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. You know, we're at a point uh, in our congregation where we're really striving to to understand what that means and how we put that into practice with respect to what we're going uh, through right now in terms of uh, navigating these very difficult uh, waves of social injustice and racial inequality within the world and how it affects us as disciples, how it affects many of us who are African-American. Because as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, it's like a, an open wound. It's like a wound that's been been opened again um, and taken many back to a place they did not want to go back to. But though we get baptized and though our sins are washed away when we become disciples, it doesn't mean that the scars and the wounds from the past are not still there or cannot be reopened again. And for many, that's what's happened recently. And I really want to thank in a very special way uh, Bobby Henley and Renita Henley, who have stepped up to be willing to take the call to lead 
uh, our diversity group here that we're calling and is being known as the Social, Cultural, Unity, and Diversity Group. And it's also a link to uh, an ICOC diversity group of the same name and acronym. We're really striving to promote healing and unity within the body of Christ when issues and situations like what we're going through right now are arising. And so uh, this past week, there was an opportunity for for brothers and sisters to to meet who are African-American in our ministry to to really talk and share some of the some of the fears and experiences that, they, that they've had that have, have been painful, have created uh, wounds and deep scars in, in their lives. And there were many tears uh, for those who were able to participate. And it was a time to really start the rehealing process for many of our black brothers and sisters and something that we want to see everyone understand so that we can grow together uh, because God calls us to, and Jesus calls us to have a tremendous love for one another and to have an equal concern uh, for one another. But as these brothers and sisters share, they they shared about those scars. They shared about the pain that racial uh, inequity and social injustice and white privilege has had on their lives and the fears that they have. Many of of our common police officers, even to this day. And we realize that we have a lot of work to do to love one another and to grow in helping one another in a great way. See, I believe that God desires for our faith to continue to grow and our love for one another to increase. You know, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, the word of God says, we ought always to thank God for you. And this is Paul speaking about the disciples in Thessalonica, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more. And the love all of you have for one another is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials that you are enduring. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right. And as a result, you'll be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you're suffering. You know, God is saying to the Thessalonians that their faith is increasing. He he observed that. It was measurable. He, he, he saw that. But not only that, their love for one another was increasing more and more. And they were persevering in their faith. There was a lot of persecution that had happened to the disciples there at Thessalonica. But he said that the, the fact that their faith was growing and the fact that their love for their love for one another was increasing was evidence that God's judgment was right. And that as a result, they were now being counted worthy of the kingdom of God. We've got to be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, brothers and sisters, by the fact that our faith should be continuing to grow. But not only that, but our love for one another should be increasing. And there are times where we let one another down. And I let one another, uh, brothers and sisters, down. We, we let one another down from time to time. But we're, as disciples, we understand that not only do we have an opportunity to change and to make things right, but to grow and increase in our love, not, not simply in... Uh, uh, for instance, being more hospitable or being more generous, which are, are are very, very important. But tonight, what I really want to highlight is a very special and unique way that I believe right now we need to be increasing 
in our love for one another. And that's in promoting loving sensitivity to one another and seeing that increase in our relationships. I believe that we have a very unique opportunity. And so I wanted to share a few practicals. I believe I believe in how we can be growing as a body right now and how God is calling us to see our love increasing more and more amongst one another. As I mentioned before, many of our black brothers and sisters really are going through a process right now where things are very painful as, as a remembrance, as we see what's going on uh, in the streets right now, as we hear about even additional um, uh, situations of, of police violence and brutality, et cetera. Uh, it's important that we have courageous conversations that promote loving sensitivity to one another. And so I'd read an article uh, recently that mentioned a few tips, and I wanted to share some of them that I thought could be helpful to help some of us sort of come out of the shadows uh, and, and, and to be able to have conversations that perhaps we've been avoiding or not really understanding how to have. But I think there can be some guidance. And number one is to learn about other people and their cultures. It's, it's really, really important for all of us, whether Black, Latino, Asian-American, uh, Asian, et cetera, to, to really strive to learn more about uh, uh, other people and their their cultures. And we accept one another. We love one another in Christ. And yet we do come from different backgrounds who are a significant part of who we are. And it's, so it's important for us not to make assumptions, but to really learn and understand more and to explore the unfamiliar. Uh, it can be helpful sometimes to put ourselves in unfamiliar situations where you're in the perhaps the visible minority and that can be that can be really helpful very very instructive for those of us who are uh, parents it's important to be a proactive parent i know one of the things we're hearing so much today is what do i share with my children and it's it's very very difficult and many of us because we love our children we want to protect our children sometimes even shelter them from what is going on in the world. It's important that we have real conversations as parents with our children, educate them and speak candidly about race to them. And so they'll come, they'll, 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 they'll grow up with a, a healthy and a, a, a truthful understanding of where things are, but hopefully some constructive guidance from you as a parent about how to navigate these difficult waters and how to overcome some of the sins of our past with respect to racism. It's important that we not tell or laugh at stereotypical jokes. It's super important that we don't laugh or tell stereotypical jokes. You know, it. I, I, I thought back to an experience I had many years ago. I was training in, in Boston and uh, in the hospital where I was, I was working in, in, in an inner city hospital there in Boston, took care of the poor uh, and the needy. Uh, it was tremendous training for me, and I really enjoyed the opportunity. But it was mostly African-American and, and Latino uh, individuals who uh, were patients at, uh, at the particular hospital. And I, I remember walking in on a conversation, and it was a very awkward situation. It was sort of the doctor's room and, and two um, of my colleagues, uh, my peers, who, who are non-black, were having a conversation 
uh, in different rooms. I didn't see one another. And I and I walked in and they were laughing and I didn't quite know what they were laughing about. But then as I I walked in and the person telling the joke couldn't was in a, a back room. So didn't realize I as an African-American had walked in. And so the other person saw me and was so nervous and trying to shush the other person up as she was sort of mocking and laughing about some of the black patients at the at the hospital. And then when the person telling the joke saw me, I there was I've never seen such a beat red in my life um, of shame and embarrassment. And then just profuse apologies that came and. It, 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 we may not have to fear that in the sense of being in a situation where that could happen uh, logistically, but it shouldn't happen. Why should we be listening to a joke that we would be embarrassed to listen to if someone was there or embarrassed to tell? And so we should only really tell jokes that we'd be comfortable sharing in a mixed um, uh, audience. Think before you speak. Words can hurt whether you mean it or not. Uh, it may not necessarily be a joke or a stereotypical joke that we may be sharing, but it may be something that's just insensitive or careless that we need to be mindful of um, when we're talking and speaking to individuals. We need to be a role model and help educate others regarding your experiences. And that's something I believe some of the Black brothers and sisters now are really talking and, and understand the, the need for us to do that is to not assume that individuals do understand, but to see our, our need to do that. And, and then even our white brothers and sisters, the need for you to, to, to really seek that type of information, not avoid those conversations, but to really seek understanding and want further understanding of what has been painful and what the experience has been. Not that you've been the perpetrator yourself personally, but just to understand so you can empathize and comfort it's important to not make assumptions because they are usually wrong and stereotypes are destructive. Um, it, it's it's really, really, really important not to do that. And just to assume that every tall, black, uh, uh, young African-American male is a great basketball player, for instance, or, or whatever. Uh, it's important to really make sure that we're not propitiating and reinforcing uh, stereotypes uh, around us that we might hear and just take everyone at face value in terms of who they are. Don't let others get away with biased language or behavior. Speak up and speak out. And so there's a need for us to check uh, individuals, particularly outside the church. Um, there may be situations at work um, you know, or in other social situations, we're around uh, mixed groups of people uh, where things can come out, uh, whether within our same race or even outside of our race, where people may feel comfortable. Say if you're in a, in a white uh, group and someone says something or if you're in a black group and someone says something that's stereotypical and biased and and hateful, it's important that we're willing to to cause some waves to call that person out. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians 5.11 that we're to expose the deeds of darkness, okay? Have nothing to do with them, but instead expose them. And 
And if we're disciples, I believe that's what God calls us to do and to help people realize that this is unacceptable and intolerable in my presence. We got to be willing to take a position against hate and take a stand against racism. It hurts everyone. As I said before, it's been destroying humanity for thousands of years, destroying humanity in and devouring black lives in this country for many, many years. And now's the time for all of us to stand up and take a stand. What does that mean? What will that look like? I don't know. I'm glad that we do have the squad group that's going to help us. It'll help provide hopefully some education and resource links for us to understand. One thing I do want to highlight right now, one place to really get started is a book written by Michael Burns. He's our brother in Christ. He's a teacher and he writes about crossing the line, culture, race, and the kingdom. I can recommend this as a great uh, starting point uh, to really talk about God's plan and the problem of racism in America. But we're going to try and provide other links that will be helpful for many of you as disciples uh, here. And so as we close tonight, I just wanted to mention a couple discussion questions that I believe that we can um, have in our groups tonight. One is to why is it important to understand that Jesus called us to a family and not just to a religious group? Why is it important to understand that Jesus called us to a family and not just a religious group? Number two, what do you think is the biggest area of growth needed in your ministry or our ministry when it comes to embodying and embracing the reality of being a family and treating one another as such? And what are you willing to do to help? Number three, what does it mean to you to speak up with respect to social and racial injustice at this time? And so hopefully we'll consider those things. Thank you so much for your time, your attention this evening. I hope that these words of encouragement uh, have been helpful for you. Thank you and God bless you. Have a great night. You've just listened to the Metro LA podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit metrolaregion.com 